0: Hello, and welcome to Device Week, a podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm executive editor Sean Schmidt, and I'm joined today by senior reporter Ferdos Al-Farouk, also known as Danny. So, Danny, let's dig in. You recently wrote a piece for MedTechInsight.com about how the medical devices industry and third-party servicers are duking it out in state legislatures across the U.S. over the issue of right to repair. So tell us what's going on and why industry should care about this.
1: Thanks, Sean. Let me take a step back first and explain what right to repair is. Basically, companies across industries have made it harder and harder for users to repair the devices, especially as a lot of things these days have become digitized. As an example, remember back in the day, it was really easy to change the battery out on your cell phone and keep it going. But these days, cell phones are designed so that consumers often just get a new cell phone when their battery dies. As many of our listeners may be aware, right to repair is not a MedTech-specific issue. In fact, the issue kind of spawned out of a 2012 Massachusetts law that requires car manufacturers to provide manuals, tools, and parts so anyone that wants to can try fix their car. Over the years, the right to repair movement has expanded to other industries such as the consumer electronics, the farming, and now the MedTech industry. The issue is also gaining traction across states, In 2015, right-to-repair bills were introduced in four states, but last year that number ballooned to 27. Though proponents have not been able to make any significant wins, they're optimistic that they've got the political momentum and that it's just a matter of time.
0: What did the proponents of right-to-repair want from the medtech industry?
1: Well, there's a coalition of third-party servicers and hospitals that support right-to-repair bills across the country. Basically, they want manufacturers to provide service manuals, tools, and parts so that their customers can fix the devices themselves. Right now, a lot of devices can only be fixed by the manufacturer, which means the products take longer to repair and cost more for hospitals and other healthcare facilities. But on the other side of the issue, manufacturers say they aren't against third-party servicers fixing their devices, but in certain cases, they want to make sure that their products aren't improperly serviced, which could harm patients. They're also concerned that giving unfettered access to their device could compromise the cybersecurity of a lot of connected devices and allow competitors to see the inner workings of their products, which companies say compromises their intellectual property. And on top of that, manufacturers say the right to repair legislation could be harmful to contracts that firms already have with hospitals and servicers. Manufacturers also point out that they're regulated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, which means, of course, they must follow quality systems requirements that third-party servicers don't have to comply with. So companies are working with the FDA and Congress to try to get that change so that everyone is operating on a level playing field.
0: Okay, so what are we talking about here in terms of actual time and money that right-to-repair proponents are complaining about? Well, one
1: proponent I talked to who works for a hospital system in Pennsylvania said her hospital would save about $50 million a year if the in-house technicians could repair a lot of their devices.
0: Wow, that's a lot of cash, which I'm sure these hospitals desperately need right now.
1: That's true, but beyond the cost savings, she said her hospital often has to take broken products offline and wait weeks for the manufacturer to send someone to fix what are sometimes very minor repairs. For example, she said one of her hospitals had to take an operating room overhead light offline for a few weeks for a simple fix that could have easily been taken care of in-house. She also pointed out that currently there's a lab equipment at her hospital that just needs a module changed out, but the hospital is having problems getting the manufacturer to come and fix it. She said not all manufacturers have an issue with letting third-party servicers or hospitals service their products, but there is big money in it for a lot of them. She also said that when they do repairs in-house, it costs anywhere between 6 to 8% of the cost of the equipment. But when serviced by the manufacturer, it can be more than twice that. So there is a significant incentive for at least some device makers to try to hold control over their ability to service their own products.
0: So let's get to the crux of this. In your story online now at MedTechInsight.com, you mentioned that right to repair proponents that they're getting ready to push for legislation in a number of states. Unpack that for us.
1: Sure. So the two big ones to look out for are Pennsylvania and California. There's a piece of legislation that's been introduced in Pennsylvania that will be debated later this month or early in February. And that could be a major testing ground for whether proponents are able to successfully persuade lawmakers to move forward. In California, there was a piece of legislation that had a lot of support last year but died in committee. It's almost certain it will be reintroduced this year, so the fight continues there. Another state is Massachusetts, which has a right-to-repair bill floating around, but it doesn't include the medtech industry. However, if the bill passes, it could be an incremental step to introducing a right-to-repair bill that specifically targets medical devices. And proponents of these bills say they're getting traction with lawmakers from Hawaii to Missouri to Florida, so they see this as an effort that's gathering significant steam.
0: Okay, but why has right-to-repair legislation failed so far?
1: Well, proponents argue they're David in a battle with Goliath. They aren't just facing up against big medtech companies, but big multinational corporations like Apple, Google, and Amazon. Those companies have consumer electronics goods that they want to protect, and right-to-repair proponents estimate that their combined worth is almost $11 trillion, which means they have very, very deep pockets in this fight.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. But even if right-to-repair proponents score a win in one state, won't they still have to keep the fight going in potentially 49 others? Possibly not.
1: Proponents argue that after the Massachusetts bill passed in 2012, carmakers came together to sign onto a memorandum of understanding that they would all essentially follow the provisions of the bill across states. Essentially, they wanted to prevent an unwieldy patchwork of laws around the country that they'd have to follow rather than just what was required in Massachusetts. They seem pretty certain that the same will likely happen if a right-to-repair bill targeting medical devices were to pass in any given state. Basically, device makers wouldn't want to follow, say, the legal requirements of Pennsylvania and then follow a completely different set of requirements in California. So they, too, would put together some sort of memorandum of understanding that would apply everywhere across the country.
0: Well, that begs the question of why isn't there a push for this on a national level? Why is this fight only happening in individual states?
1: Well, there were efforts in the U.S. Congress, but those fizzled out. Right now, it doesn't look like anybody's willing to pick up that fight again on the federal level and run with it. Proponents are trying, but their hope is really that some legislation will get passed on the state level that leads to some memorandum of understanding and negates any need for federal legislation.
0: Okay, interesting stuff. Right to repair is an issue that's been percolating for several years in industry and will undoubtedly continue to heat up. So we'll be keeping an eye on that here at MedTech Insight. Thanks for that report, Danny. And that wraps up this week's Device Week podcast. Head on over to MedTechInsight.com to read Danny's story on right to repair. And while you're at MedTechInsight.com, you can listen to the first five episodes of our podcast series, Speaking of MedTech, which features former FDA Device Center Compliance Director Steve Silverman. Steve and I will be breaking out the crystal ball on a new episode next week, giving our takes on topics that industry and FDA's Device Center will likely face in 2022. So be sure to check that out wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember, you can find us on Twitter at MedTech_Insight. insight. For now, thanks for listening.